Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Shocking Lurid Tawdry, a history of American scandals. I'm Mark Pikert. And I'm Casey Howe. And we're here to tell you about the scandals that America forgot. I'm sorry, I, it was very difficult for me to not laugh during that because I got an <laughs> extremely outrageous text message just as we started recording. Oh, tell me. Uh, What's the no, gossip? It's just, it's just a friend. I left a friend on read because I looked at his text while we were preparing to start recording. Uh-huh. And I got distracted because we had to, like, I had to get water and have some bell pepper and change my t shirt. Uh, <laughs> so he just um, he put me on blast on text message in a very. Never mind. Funny way. His moot. I'm just delighted to be back here, deep in the throes of Women's History Month still. Uh, so true. The month of my birth. That's right. March is a big month. Big March month. Is a big month. The beginning of spring. Oh, it's all it's yes. all happening. I feel like, yes, ah, uh, I think tomorrow is my birthday. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. Check. And as always, I expect absolutely no one to message me. Well, happy uh, birthday no. My birthday tomorrow is from the... Oh, okay. <laughs> Never mind. We're going to cut all of this. We're just going to okay. cut all of this. Uh, no, anyway. it's authentic. The people love it, Mark. Uh, Give them what they want. Give them I... <laughs> Maybe we'll I do... Know. You should do... We'll do a special um, birthday episode for Mark. Uh, you can no. do your favorite scandal. No, we shouldn't do that. Uh, we should really just uh, start over from the beginning because this is a huge disaster of my own making for which I apologize. Uh, but you know what? Today's not my episode. And <laughs> don't let me usurp your time. Casey Powell has a story to tell us and I, I bet do. it's going to be a doggone good one. Well, thanks, Mark. I'm going to try. It's one of that I'm very excited about. Um I did, um, well, the normal nerdy amount of research for it, but then to another level because um, it's one of my favorite scandals. Oh. And so I've done quite a bit of um, reading and listening and shout out to the to American Scandals podcast. Shout out to Paramount Plus um, for a series on this, which you still have, you have to get on Amazon currently, but I watched it in real time when this came out. So yep. Good times. Good times. I'm not much of a nerd. Um, also everyone should listen to all of my watching habits and try and watch them in real time. That way you wouldn't be behind. Like everyone is on Yellowstone. You're welcome. Um, you know, to be fair, you never once mentioned, we talked about <laughs> Sweet Magnolias. We sure spit <laughs> told each other we were watching that. You never once brought up Yellowstone. Well, because when it first came out, I like didn't want to share it with people because it was my trash. And I thought people would judge me for watching my trash. <laughs> and then all of a sudden people are like, this show's so great. And I was like, it's trash, but it's amazing. And See, so, yeah. How I feel about Succession. Succession is trash. It is a glossy nighttime soap opera. Why is it everyone is. acting like it's the greatest television drama ever made? It's also it's a soap opera. blindingly white. <laughs> yes. Blind. I'm like, that's one thing that, that throws me with Succession, too, is the timing of when it came out and everything that was happening in Hollywood and... You yeah. know, we need more diverse stories and we need more diversity and all of this stuff. And everyone's just sitting there raving about succession. And I'm like, couldn't be whiter. Like, oh I God. don't. 
everyone on Twitter. This has uh, has only 43% diversity in its cast. Also tweeting, oh my God, Succession is the greatest TV show. <laughs> <in Stan." laughs> oh, but you know what liberals are like. I know. So mm. true. Um, well, speaking mm-hmm. of a bunch of crazy white people, my scandal. <laughs> kind of the entire premise of this series. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Um, So this is what happened um, at Waco. (gasps) Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Yes. I tried to listen to this American Scandal season, (laughs) but I can't do American Scandal. No, nothing against them. No. Uh, But I don't like that they treat it like an audio book. Yes, it is very dramatized. Yes, I do. I don't care for that. That's not my style of podcast. Okay, Uh, I like more conversational. Yes, Uh, and then Mark, question for you: I can't listen to audiobooks. Also, right. So I'm love me an audiobook, love it to death. So I'm all about it. I'll listen to anything. Apparently, I really love auditory things. Don't know why. Um, but let me ask you a question, Mark. When you listened to American Scandal and then you thought, hmm, don't love this, what did you do? Did you I, keep listening and comment? No, I stopped listening oh. and I didn't comment because what? something weren't made for me. It's huh, so strange. Yeah. Oh, how odd. Okay, well, just uh, a thought, everybody. Yeah, just keep that in mind as you uh, <laughs> turn this off. Uh, um, yes. I so today before, you get before, to learn about Waco. Before you get yes. started, I do not Please. know a ton about Waco. I know, you know, kind okay. of the, the gist of it. But I will say that I believe I was uh, not far from Waco when it all no. went down. I was visiting my uh, family's farm in yeah. the middle of Texas, and we were watching it on TV. And I vividly remember being a child watching it on TV. Yes. Yes. Same. This is one where I really remember. I know we were talking we, when we were doing the mini minisodes for impeachment. I said, you know, I sort of remember this in the moment, but I was a little young for it. And I don't think my parents really exposed me to a lot of this. I distinctly remember the images of Waco yeah. distinctly. And, um, and that comes into play with, with the scandal and, and what happens and, and all of that. Um, and yeah, you, your family farm is very close to Waco. Um, so yeah, you were right around the corner. I was right there. Uh, <laughs> you could have gone and said, "Hey, what's going I on?" I would have loved to. I know, I know. I'm so on the ground reporting. Oh, that's great. Hit me, David uh, Koresh. Oh, all right. So, um, for a little background, because I do think, even though this is again not a um, you know true crime or cult or anything podcast, um, having some context about who all the players are in this, I think is very helpful because yep. it leads you down. You understand a little bit of like how this whole thing happened. So um, Waco was the home essentially, and and not for anybody who's living in Texas and Waco and don't come at me. I know all of Waco is not this one place. They were outside of the town. It was on one piece of property. It is not all of Waco. So wacko. We <laughs> yes, this poor town. I mean, they're literally still known for it. So, um, so just outside of Waco, Texas, 
um, was the home of a group of people called the Branch Davidians. Um, they are a group, uh, much like the Seventh-day Adventists, um, who believe that Christ is coming again. He's, he's the second coming is happening and it's going to happen. They believe that it's going to happen real soon. So, um, they, uh, then they, so they're really preparing for it and preparing for it, um, any day, like tomorrow. So, um, they're, they're in it. Um, the house or the, I'm going to say the compound, they called it a compound a lot, but the compound, um, was known as Mount Carmel. Um, there's a big, big history about the name and where it came from. They were, did not always live there, blah, 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 blah. If anybody wants to do a deep dive into Branch Dominions and, um, what they believe and how they got to where they are and all of that, um, I will say the American Scandal podcast is a great one. They do a deep dive. Um, they also bring in another branch of this of how they got how all these people got there. A lot of them had a history in the Seventh Day Adventist Church. But also, um, that is a podcast series I would listen to, where yes. you just do a deep dive into the beliefs of all the different cults and all the different sects of Christianity. Yes, um, I will later on text you a couple because. <laughs> They are out there and they're fascinating. Oh, see, I can't do cult stuff because oh, I wouldn't be a cult cults. leader. And it's just too tempting for me to hear about others. <laughs> it's almost like, oh, I mean, I could do that. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. And then do you start brainstorming? You're like, okay, what would be my point of difference? Like, how no. would I be? No, that's why it's a dangerous slope. I can't do it. Okay. Well, I will um, not get your competitive juices it's flowing. <laughs> Thank you. My competitive is flowing. Um, yes. Yeah, it's a combination of like just, I could do that. And also, <laughs> how fucking stupid do you have to be? Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, a lot of that. And I think it's, you know, that is something that comes into play, um, particularly with Waco, but a lot of the other cults too, of like, how did you get there? Which is the thing that fascinates me about cults is actually yeah. the people, less about the leader of like, how how did you get there? And that's always really fascinating to me of, you know, just how the brain works and how the mind works and how you can get yourself to that point. Um, one thing to note about the Branch Davidians, um, they were not, um, they, they were all very voluntarily there. Um, they very much, it was not a, you have to stay on the compound, you can't leave, locked up type of thing. It's not all like that. Um, they came, they followed David, um, the, the guy, the leader, if you will, is his name is David Koresh and he, um, uh, was born Vernon Howell, um, no relation, but the, <laughs> just because people constantly think my last name is Howell, it is not, there are no L's. It was it originally Harris. And you That's true. Once a big sis Kamala got into politics. Well, I know. I didn't want to, you know. Tread on, ride her coattails. <laughs> ride those laughing coattails all the way to Washington. Yeah, yeah. The only yeah. two women who've ever laughed. <laughs> oh, I wonder if there'll be another one. Um, okay. So, um, okay. So these people are living in Mount Carmel. They're very um, peaceful people. They are. Um, they worship the Bi Bible. David Koresh is their leader. He gives extensive um, 
sermons every evening. They do Bible study together. They all live together, eat together, that kind of thing. Um, the women make some, they make money by, um, the women do some, make some clothes that they sell in town. Um, David actually, and a couple of the guys in the group have a band and they play gigs in town. So they are, you know, members of the community, not completely isolated, um, but on this property, living, living their dreams, waiting for God to come back. I bet David Koresh had an acoustic guitar. I think he did. I think it was acoustic. Yep. yep. Never mm-hmm. trust a motherfucker with an acoustic guitar. I learned that in college at Sarah Lawrence. <laughs> Everyone should learn that. Yeah. Yeah. And gentlemen, don't just tool around on your acoustic guitar. No one likes that. Don't care what they say. Don't like it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Nope. No, ma'am. No. Either play a song on a stage with a microphone or don't play or don't. anything. Mm-mm. Yeah, correct. Mm-mm. Yeah. Practice is for private time, not for public time. So, okay. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, things. Okay. So here's the fishy stuff. Here's the stuff where you're like, I don't know. So part of this religion, um, uh, David comes to believe that he is not only a prophet, but he's actually the son of God. Um, and yeah, and being the son of God, his one of his duties is to um, uh, procreate pretty widely so that all of the children are the children of God. Yeah. So um one thing that he does that he has to correct later once um, government officials get um, involved is that um, one of he takes he takes a wife. Um, she is very young. Um, her parents give their consent, which, um, according to the law, is okay. Um, and they. So, so he has a very young wife, number one, and then it turns out that God tells him that he needs to take more wives. And so we get into a bit of a polygamist situation, um, uh-huh. not to be confused with some of the um, uh, like Mormon adjacent cults. So this is a little different, but <laughs> I don't want to call them more. They're not Mormon. They're like Mormon adjacent. Mm-hmm. Because the Mormon religion does not believe that any longer. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so these they're not more. Think think seven day events Adventists. God is coming, and in the meantime, David believes that he is the son of God and needs to create more children of God while on earth. Unlike Jesus. Correct. Who did yes. not do that? Correct. Yes, this Just- is a different. This is the key point of difference between yes. Jesus and David Koresh. Correct. So perhaps the only point of difference. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Um, okay. so I'm on board. So, okay. So that's that's Sign me up. I'm coming to Mount Carmel. Make making sense to you. Check, check. Um, and this sort of escalates over the years. So basically, he um it, it doesn't happen all at once. People don't buy into this all at once. He sort of starts off with wife and then Gradually it builds. And then there is one stage where um, he, and all of this is coming as, as messages from God. So these people are very, very indoctrinated. And, and David will say, I received a message from God. The message is this. And it, it was all sorts of different things. It was, yeah. we need to 
plant a garden and we need to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Um, one of the things that they essentially uh, believed in as well is that um, the people and government and outsiders weren't going to understand when God came back and therefore they needed to protect themselves against people who might come after them for their beliefs. So they were also very aware that um, that people would not understand their beliefs and would try and stop them. Um, so they were under, they understood that they were sort of on the outside of where the rest of society was and that they were living by different laws. They were living by God's laws, not the world's laws is how they used to say, yeah. hence the um, young and multiple wives. Um, so they did understand that they needed to um, be able to defend themselves should people come and try and stop them from accomplishing their mission of um, welcoming God back when he came back to earth. Or from whatever this is. Anyway, um, so really, really like heavy stuff. There was also part of the religion has to do with um, the seven seals, which is in the book of Re Revelations. Um, it's said to be one of the most complicated and unknown um, pieces of the Bible of what does it really mean? What is God trying to tell us? All of that. So, and the book of Revelations is not a... Um, an, an upper book of the Bible. It's pretty... Um, Depends on your point of view. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty heavy. A lot of bad stuff happens. Um, yeah. And yeah, so they, they study the book of Revelations quite a lot. So you're getting the idea. It's a very extreme form of religion in the sense that it's really indoctrinated. They very much believe in this man. They believe that people are... Um, it's possible for people to come after them. They are defending themselves in a way that um, they essentially stock up on firearms. They're granted it's Texas. So, you know, a little, little Texas sprinkled in. And then just this idea that people might be coming after us at any given moment. Yeah. Um, so they have a lot of firearms, um, grenades, um, things like that. They go to a lot of gun shows. They, they sell some of the guns for money, but then also they buy a lot of guns. So they're pretty well versed in this. Everyone practices their, um, shooting skills and very important. Yeah. So, so you're getting the idea again, extreme, um, very, um, indoctrinated. And this has also been going on now for pretty much 15 years with all of these people. So cool. yeah. So it's, 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 it's their life now. This is what they do. Yeah. Right. Um, so if you, um, yeah. So anyway, so they're, they've stockpiled arms because they believe that, um, the non, you know, the non-believers will come after them. Um, there are, um, there's, uh, part of the, part of the, what, what gets them in trouble, if you will, what kicks off this whole scandal is, um, the guns essentially. So a UPS delivery man tips off a local deputy that he delivered shell casings for grenades there. He was like, Hey, this is weird. And how that happened is in an odd way. Um, he was going to on, uh, offload these, this package and the box came open and he saw them. They like shell casings like spilled out into the road. And so he kind of put them back together and delivered this and then um, went to the sheriff and said, hey, this is a little fishy. 
Um, meanwhile, the ATF has also gotten wind of this. So they've gotten wind that there's this group in Texas that's stockpiling a lot of guns. And oh, by the way, there might be you know, lots of women and children there, and he might have had this young wife and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. So with all of this, they say, all right, that's enough. We're going to send in an agent. We're going to see if they can, if we can figure out what's going on there. So they send in an undercover agent. Um, lots of reports of this are different. Um, the, the ATF at the time, just so that we're not um, uh, faulting, anyone in particular. Uh, the ATF at the time is uh, does not have a great reputation. They just completely bungled another scandal called Ruby Ridge. Yes, in which, yeah. So um, their, yeah, their reputation is not great. They tend to be um, very force forward, let's put it that way, mm -hmm. um, rather than caution forward. So um they are not doing great. So the ATF gets this idea that, oh, there's this guy in Texas who has a bunch of guns, lots of women and children. If we can walk out of this house with a stockpile of guns and kids, that would look pretty good. So they're invested in this. They want to get this done. They kind of want this to be a thing. I did not know that Waco was supposed to be the ATF's... Uh press opportunity to make themselves look good post Ruby Rich. Yeah. That's yeah. Very upsetting. Yeah. It's just, it's, you know, this, this scandal is one where um, like all the, all the things collide, like everything collides to glow, to, to blow up. Yeah. Um, and, and the ATF is, is a big part of that. So they, um, they really go in with the, uh, like they really, they really want this. And rather than let's go, let's go see, let's go see what's up. They, they go in with this guy has gun. We know he has guns. We know there's a bunch of kids in there, you know, let's, let's get him. Let's get him. Yeah. So not great. Um, so they send an other undercover agent. Um, he is undercover for a couple weeks. He pretty quickly, um, discovers that there is proof of, um, uh, that there, there are guns. Um, he doesn't really know exactly where they are, but they think, you know, they have based on heat sensor, sensors and data and da, da, da. Meanwhile, this is the nineties. So like the early nineties. So we're not talking about like drones and it's not like they have no idea. Like yeah. they kind of, like they don't really know. So I'm just saying the technology is not great. So <laughs> It's not like now where it's kind of like, yeah, we're going to fly a drone over and see what's what. Like they, they don't really have that. So anyway, so he fi figures that out. And then um, the ATF decides that they have enough for a warrant. They get a warrant and um, they choose the lovely date of February 28th, 1993 to go in. Mm -hmm. So um, they... As I said, everything kind of goes wrong from the get-go here. Um, they essentially, obviously, you can imagine if in, so the ATF, by going in, I mean that they bring in um, a huge team of agents, um, also a ton of equipment, um, a lot of 
supplies and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and this is, they're taking it out to a very, very um, remote part of Texas. Um, for people who don't know, Texas is not super hilly, at least in this part of the state. Uh, it, there are hills in Texas. Yes. I know, Mark. <laughs> I was just going to jump in. You have every type of geography you could possibly imagine <laughs> in Texas. That's mountains, very true. Mountains. Swamps, desert. Hills. But Waco is very flat. So you yes, can see coming. Yeah. So you're going to, you're going to, you're going to see them. So yes, essentially, exactly. So they start to, they see that something's going on, obviously. Um, but then also there are, uh, the press gets wind of this. So the press says the ATF is doing an operation. They're like, oh, we got to go. So they go. Um, one guy gets lost on this back road because he's trying to find where Mount Carmel is. And he stops a postman and he says, hey, do you know where Mount Carmel is? And he's obviously from out of town. And the guy goes, well, yeah, it's up the road, but why do you want to know? And they said, oh, something's going down there today. And <laughs> and the local postman, because David and his and his followers are a part of this community, goes straight to Mount Carmel and says, hey, seems like something's going on here. Do you guys know about this? Like, did you ask for people to come? And they're like, no. <laughs> yeah. So they get tipped off. So they, um, they, they essentially, so now they have all this equipment close. The, the media is there. God. And, um, and David knows. So that morning, uh, the undercover uh, officer has to go in for one final check to be like, is everything quote unquote normal? Is everything good? Um, the cop, the, it's not a cop, but the um, officer goes in undercover. He encounters David and another member who are really, really upset. They're like frantic. And he goes, what's going on? And they say, you know, the, the government's coming for us. They're coming for us. And so the undercover um, officer leaves as quickly as he possibly can. He, number one, doesn't want, obviously, them to figure out who he is, obviously. But he, um, so he rushes back to the ATF headquarters or whatever, like the little mini um, area where he's been hauling, you know, hauling up all these undercover. And he calls his superior and he says, they know. They said, he said, don't do it. Call it off. They know. We can't, we've ruined the element of surprise. We got to come up with a new mission. All of our mission is based on the element of surprise of how we're going to get into this place. Call it off. And the supervisor says, no, we're going in. And I'm like, oh. So problem number one, bit too much ego. Uh, oops. Um, so the ATF and all their equipment roll up on this place David actually comes out in front and the, the comes out the front door and says, hey, 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 there are women and children here. We don't want any problems. Just go away and leave us alone. And, you know, we're, we're good. Just everybody go away. And of course, there are mixed reports on who shot first, but they shoot David. And he is now injured in front of his house by this huge army of people that he has been predicting is coming for him and all of his followers. 
all of his followers see this. It is if it, it, it is a, as if his visions are coming true and now they're going to be attacked. Yeah. So what do they do? They go get those guns they got. Yeah. Which is kind of, I, yeah. 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 So as you can imagine, more guns means uh, more shooting. Um, so a gunfight quickly ensues. Um, the ATF, their plan is to put um, ladders onto the house, these high ladders, and go in to the second floor of this uh, compound where they think is the gun room. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not. Their intelligence is shit. And that is simply the women's quarters. So, yeah. So they start um, loading up tear gas and shooting into um, where all of the women and children are hiding. Yeah, great. Great, 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 great. So um, this is the point that you might remember we all started to tune into our television screens because remember... The media is there. So this is all on film. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, cool. So um, also, fun fact, the ATF really thought this one out. And obviously, David and his people have a phone. So they call the local police department, the sheriff, who they know, and they're like, Sheriff, these guys are shooting at us. We don't know what's going on. You got to get them to stop. Please, please get them to stop. We have the women are here. Like, we just, we don't want to fight. Like, just stop, 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 stop. So the sheriff goes, okay, let me, let me see if I can get them on the phone. Let me see if I can get them on the phone. The ATF did not bring communications. They don't have a phone. Yeah. So they end up calling one of the local, the sheriff's like, well, what the fuck? So he ends up calling the local reporter who has a phone in his truck and says, make them stop make them stop, tell them to stop shooting. And so finally, this local reporter goes, everybody stop, 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 stop. And is screaming. And finally the gunfire stops. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is beyond the poor reporter's pay grade. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Yeah. So finally the gunfire stops. The ATF is not in the house, obviously. Um, And the shooting stops. Um, There are obviously officers down. There are people in the house that have been wounded and and some have died already. Um, It's not good. It's not good. Um, At this point, since it's all been televised, uh, the FBI ends up going, excuse us, we're going to we're going to hop in here real quick. This isn't this isn't great. So, which causes a whole new, as you can imagine, layer of problems. Um, One of the things that we learned um, after 9-11 is that agencies don't really talk to each other all that well. Yeah. And um, they also have a lot of um, infighting within kind of cross departments. So um, not great. So now you have two agencies involved, also different teams from each agency. Um So the FBI brings in two different teams. They bring in the tactical th- team and then they bring in um, – a negotiation, a negotiation team, right? Because you basically want to try and defuse the situation and get, you know, what we would think of perhaps as hostages or really the person out, right? Yeah. So, and those two, as you can imagine, um, 
have different um, interests. So the FBI negotiation team has the interest of diffusing the situation and getting these people out. Um, the tactical team has the motivation of um, like of like shooting them out kind of is their go-to strategy. Let's yeah. see if we can't force them out rather than get them to come out. Um, so basically what happens is um, there's a lot of back and forth um, and I'm not going to get into a ton of that, but it's, um, there's a lot of back and forth between David and the negotiators and what he wants and what, you know, they say, okay, we'll give you this and then you'll come out. Right, David. So he's not really doing himself any favors. Um, he's kind of saying, yeah, okay, I'm going to do this. Basically the first one is do this. Um, basically read one of my sermons on the radio, or actually I think he records it and then they play it on the radio. And mm -hmm. he said, and then I'll come out. And so they do it. Okay. He doesn't come out. Um, yeah. And then they need, um, they need milk for the children because the, um, the women are so stressed. They've stopped lactating. So they have all these small children and they have no way to feed them. Um, so then they say, okay, David, we'll give you the milk, but then you're going to send out some kids. Right. And he's like, no. So he, he sends out a, a few of them come out, but none of his children. And it's a whole, Yeah. Um, meanwhile, he said to these people, you can leave. And they are pretty much saying, no, this is God must really be coming. This is really what you've been preaching to us. So we yeah. believe you even more. It's kind of a perfect storm of everything you're doing to like save these people is only reinforcing their beliefs. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, um, the FBI negotiation team... Um, has not done a great job of trying to figure out what these people believe. Hmm. They kind of jumped, they kind of jumped in and then like worked backwards and they're like, hmm. oh, this is kind of a unique religion. I go to church too. I know. I'll just talk, talk to him. God doesn't want this, David. Come out. And he's like, nah. Hmm. So they don't necessarily call in a ton of experts on this type of religion to help them. They kind of just wing it, which is not great. Cough, cough, Islam. Um, oops. Yeah. So it's not great. They don't have a lot of experience with this. So um, they don't, they, basically I say that just because they don't have an extent. Uh, they don't understand the extent to which these people believe this. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're like, I don't understand why they're not coming out. It's like, well, because th this is all what he's been saying is going to happen. So yeah. So, um, so basically, so, um, one other thing that's happening inside the house at this time is, um, David is, is hurt. He's been shot, but not fatally. Um, and he's still preaching and he's still giving these sermons and it's just, everything is right in front of all of these people. And it's really, really powerful, powerful stuff. So, um, yeah. So basically, uh, the lead negotiator um, is a guy named Gary Nesser. Um, he's very well known and is very good at his job, supposedly, reportedly. Um, he tries a lot of different things. Um, the Meanwhile, the so he's working in one vein. Meanwhile, the tactical team is not necessarily just like, 
okay, we're going to wait this one out. So they're doing all sorts of crazy things like flying helicopters low over the house to basically terrorize them. They, um, they cut power to the house. They bulldozed the front yard, which had a bunch of like cars and swing sets and things like that. Um, they use what we now know to be torturing tactics of light and sound torture, um, where they set up these big lights and they blast the house with light at night and all these crazy sounds. So no one is sleeping. Um, and this goes on as we all remember for 51 days. Yeah. Yeah. So this is, as you can imagine, this is nightly news every single night where, you know, the standoff at Waco, the standoff at Waco, the standoff at Waco. So the FBI is receiving a tremendous amount of pressure to end this. Um, They give David one more attempt. He says, I'm going to write a manuscript that is his explanation of the seven seals, which I mentioned earlier. He's convinced that he knows what those are all about. Do it and later, David. I know. Gosh. Or what else have you been doing for 51 days? <laughs> That's kind of my question. Like, shouldn't you gotten a jump start on this one? Like, I, don't know, I mean. Didn't God tell you to have this one prepared in your back pocket? Apparently not. Mm. Part of his stalling, too, um, is he does say when they when they first say they're going to come out, he says um, he says that he got a vision from God and God told him not to go. And then he to wait till he got another sign. So as I said, he's not really doing himself any favors. Um, So he stalls. So finally, the FBI is really at a standstill. They don't know how to get him out. And they can't, you know, they can't go in again because of the the women and the children. Um, And they put a they put a plan together to essentially try and um, they put a plan together to get him out of this house more forcefully. They go to the DOJ um, and Janet Reno, who is the attorney general for Clinton, we're in Clinton days, guys, um, gives them the okay. And she says, basically, the plan is we're going to um, put tear gas into the house. Non-lethal tear gas. All right. Okay. Sure. Fine. Sure. Um, They do know that they have gas masks in the house, but as one could imagine, we actually do not make gas masks for children. So Mm -hmm. there aren't uh, child-sized gas masks, Mm -hmm. which is not um, great. Uh, But they do know this, and they say that's what's going to get them out because the mothers won't watch their kids suffer. Yeah. Um, So now we're at um, April 19th. Um, There is no manuscript from David. So the negotiation team has nothing. Um, And the tactical team essentially with the DOJ sign off says, that's it. Gary, your time here is done. You can leave. Thank you for your help. And they send him home and they go in. Um. For those who don't remember, all you youths, um, the images of this are pretty stark. What happens is they go in with um, tanks. So um, they're military tanks. um, And what they do is they breach 
they essentially like poke holes in the house with these tear with this tear gas. So they don't toss in a window and run. They essentially have like a, for lack of a better term, a lance or a spear on the end of this tank and poke holes into the, into this house. One thing to note about this house is that um, David and his followers actually built the house. So um, they have built onto it and changed it and modified it and, um, are not necessarily um, carpenters or up to code per se. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, so yes. So they essentially insert um, this tear gas into um, the house, um, and some base it. What what the so then what happens in the house is they realize what's happening. The adults bring their tear, get their tear gas or their, their gas masks, excuse me. Um, and David said, okay, the plan, women and children, you go into this vault that we have. Um, yeah. Go into the vault. Men, you go into the chapel. Get ready. I'm sure they're going to come in with their guns ablazing. We'll have our guns ready. And there we go. So they do not run out the front door. Um, they go into the vault, which they think is unbreachable. Um, it is not. So then all of a sudden now they have tear gas in this vault, which they cannot then reopen from the inside, which is not a great um, setup per se. Yeah. So um, and then also what happens is the house begins to collapse. So they've now breached the walls with they poked holes in all the walls. Things start to fall on themselves, fall on different the lower floors. Not great. And then all of a sudden, um, as you might imagine, um, tear gas might not be uh, lethal, perhaps, or this type, but it is highly flammable. So then all of a sudden with the structure coming down, a fire breaks out. Yeah. So a fire breaks out. There are, there was, there were lots and lots of, um, uh, post mortems of this. Yeah. And they never figured out how the fire actually got started. At the time, um, it was absolutely blamed on the Branch Davidians saying that they started the fire and they had this big suicide pact. So they were committing suicide. That was absolutely the story. Um, the later on, after many, many investigations, um, there were also conclusions that um, the FBI started the fire thinking, okay, tear 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 gas doesn't get them out. Surely if the house starts um, going up in flames, they will come out. Um, What they didn't realize is that many people were trapped by then. By by that time, they were trapped inside the house because the structure was falling down around them. Um, So 76 Branch Davidians died. Um, 25 of them were children. Um, 35... Children had been um, released from this house, not released, but had left. So the, the FBI was able to get 35 children in total out gradually. Um, but uh, 25 children did die in um, the the fire is what they call it. Just a fire. It's mm-hmm. like, mm-mm, it's not. Mm-mm. It's a little more than that, but oh, yeah. Yeah, a little more. Fire little more. So, um, so. Basically, I mean, this this scandal and what scandalous about it is, um, you know, the lack of communication between these agencies, for sure. 
um, overconfidence in, in government firepower, um, a complete lack of understanding about how devoted these people were and what their religion was all about. Um, definitely a miscalculation of Texas weather and wind as well, because um, the fire also spread quite quickly. There were like 50 mile an hour winds that day. So mm -hmm. um, yeah. And not realizing, you know, the basics of sort of the structure they were dealing with and how armed these people were and how dug in they were. Yeah. And then to have literally learned no lessons from this experience that could have prevented other things from happening later. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Not. Mm -mm. We don't need to. It was just like, Bleh. Don't really know what happened. Who started the fire? I was like, I don't think that's the issue here. That's, that's just cults for you, you know? Yeah. It has no bearing on anything else that's happening or will happen. Yeah. Yes. Um, so there were survivors. So um, some Branch Davidians did survive. Um, they were prosecuted for their crimes. Sure. Um, many served jail time. Lots of investigations, as I said. Um who did what and what was used. Um, the reports from the FBI and the survivors were very, very mixed. Um, obviously the, um, the survivors insisted that there was never a, um, that there was never a suicide pact. Um, the FBI said, yes, they meant to kill themselves in there. All of that. Um, did it in there? Um, yes, yes, but not really. Um, Timothy McVeigh actually cites Waco as his motivation for the Oklahoma City bombing. Yeah. He went out there um, while, while Waco was happening and watched it all. And he became even more anti-government and ingrained and obsessed with firearms and that people were coming after him. So, I mean, yeah, that it, is a takeaway from Waco. Yeah. Yeah. Um, most of the reports that were revisited and um, coming out at, in the aftermath were basically just like mistakes were made. Oops. I, yes, but that's not really all. No. Um, so this is kind of a double scandal because the scandal at the time, it was definitely a scandal in the moment. It was for sure a scandal. Um, and the scandal was, this is a cult, they're harming children, and it was a mass suicide. And oh, oh my gosh, I cannot believe it. The scandal now, as, as we've revisited these reports and what actually happened, is that excessive force was used, and they did not plan to have a suicide. The government just kind of killed these people, or at least set themselves up to fail. So... Um, they did not make great, the decision-making train or train or chain was not great on this one. So um, certainly a scandal that has uh, lasted and kind of keeps, we keep learning more from it, but yet not necessarily changing anything in a timely fashion to fix it. I did not know the second half. Of oh, okay. So I did not know that there was no suicide pact. I did not know that they were crazy, but not dangerous. Yeah. I mean, as not dangerous 
not dangerous at the time. Who knows what mm -hmm. would have happened with that arsenal? Sure, and where sure. David Koresh was going to take things. Mm -hmm. What happened to David Koresh? Um, he died. He died in the in the fire. He was one of the seventy six that died. Are we sure? No, no, we're not. You never know. Um, yes, I believe he died. Um, he, uh, at least how the, um, I actually did not look this up. I probably should have. But how the uh, Paramount show ends it is that he, the only suicide pact that he had was with his second in command and the second in command shot him and then shot himself. Oh, they were, they were found with, yeah, they were found with bullet wounds. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Huh. Supposedly. Wow. But who knows? According to but Paramount Plus. That's right. <laughs> what is the name of that show? Waco. Is it just Waco? I thought just and Waco. Taylor Kitsch is yeah. the fresh. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Uh -huh. John Linkwazama's in it. And then Gary Shannon is the uh uh is the uh sorry, Michael Shannon is the um is the negotiator, Gary yeah. Nasser. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, maybe I'll go back and revisit that. Yeah, it's a fun one. It's a yeah. fun one. You have to find it on um Prime Video now though and pay for it. That's fine. I'll figure yeah. it out. I know. Anyway, that was a fun one. Uh, so, yes. I like Waco, that. then and now. <laughs> I also like that during this episode about Waco, both of our apartments were invaded. <laughs> oh, we really, we really made it work. We're being, we're so nimble. We're so nimble. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, oh no one knows that yours was invaded. I'm going to cut that part out because we hit pause. Uh, I tried to keep going on mine. Because you were so close to being finished. I know and it was. I'm so sorry. No, please, it's my fault. Please. I should have. No, no, no. <laughs> I should have made it more clear that we needed to hit pause. Uh, but you know what? It's fine. Now we're gonna go and live our lives. That's right. That's right. Get back out there. That's I love right. it. Right, and get back out there. I mean, uh, hunker down. Yes. <laughs> because my takeaway from Waco is just stay home. <laughs> Don't draw attention to yourself. Good policy. Good policy. Yeah, Great takeaway, Mark. Uh-huh. PSA for the day. <laughs> <laughs>